0: Welcome to a space where your voice, your experience,
1: and your truth matter. You should come prepared for authentic, deep dives
2: into topics that embody all walks of life
1: with the goal of creating positive change.
3: No matter who you are or where you're from, we're glad you're here to share in the conversation and can't wait to hear your story. I am Coach Fred.
2: I'm Anktisi.
1: I am Aaron Kinzer.
2: I am Javon. And this is Safe Spaces and Faces.
0: What's up? What's good, y'all? It's Unc. DC. We are back again. We are starting to form habits here. So that's good. That's good. What's the tea? What's been going on? Shit. What's tea? What's tea? So, hey. What's the tea
1: with Unc. DC. Come on, Unc.
0: I like the feedback we're getting. You know, we've got some adjustments to make over time as we get audio right and, and mm-hmm. we get things together, we get we get content together, we get some things, we get our flow in. I, I really think that what we've created though is a great foundation. And I'm really just thankful that we keep showing up and again, still not blocked. So <laughs> we're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I you know, last week I thought last week was really beautiful. I really enjoyed the vulnerability. I enjoyed the openness and learning about you guys. Um, I've known you guys for varying degrees of time. And I can now say that I know each of you a little bit more. And I appreciate that. And not just for sharing that with me, but sharing that openly with anyone in the world that might hear what we have to say.
1: That's what it's all right. about. Stay face in face the faces. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, is what we came here for.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate
3: you creating this platform for us to allow us to be open and vulnerable and share our personal experience. Because to be honest with you, like I said last week, you have to have a community and an area that is of people that have sh- that can share freely share their experience. Because to me, that is the beginning spot of healing, is that you have to right. feel okay to share your experience and it's free of judgment. So- I thank you for getting us together to get, uh, to uh, to be able to tell our story. And I thank all the people that are listening or either watching and give us that feedback. We, we really appreciate you. We're We're not just here to listen to ourselves or have a conversation with ourselves. We're here to have a conversation with you out there listening to us. So mm-hmm. we greatly appreciate when you give us feedback, whether it's through a DM, a text message, an email or a video.
0: So I just want to give that
3: shout out to our audience.
0: Now we are expanding our reach with social media, taking on Twitter, taking on, I'm sorry, taking on- The X, TikTok. The, the TikTok. It's,
2: it's going to always be Twitter.
0: Right. But um, I really appreciate you guys for helping me put that together and elaborate and expand our reach. That, that means a lot. Of course. But just to kind of recap, we talked about- childhood. Those formative memories, those those beginning experiences shape how we move through adolescence. We grow into our teen years. We become a young adult. Those experiences sometimes make or break us. Those experiences shape either good or bad habits and sometimes can really complicate relationships and success through some of the most difficult times, which for me were my teenage years. And that was because I was struggling with really figuring out who the fuck I was. I mentioned last time that you know my friend Brooke had made the comment to me that had stuck about only really knowing who it was that I didn't want to be and not knowing who it was that I'm supposed to be. And I think at 32, I'm definitely still figuring that out. But I do know that I would say from the sixth grade well into, after high school, I would say at least until I was probably 25, who I was, was the furthest thing from my understanding. I really just kind of want to dig into that and just to kind of look at that struggle on a broad scope. And I want to hear from you guys and what your experiences were, how you discovered who you are and how you find healing. You know, my experience, it was really interesting because, <laughs> you know, on top of the stuff that I shared last week, growing up with a, my dad's family. You know, I mentioned that you know they were, in my opinion, judgmental and racist, prejudiced, homophobic people, but they stood on this platform, which I now know is the American Christian nationalist platform. But growing up, it was just just what being a Christian looked like. It's the only example of what faith was that I knew, and I was terrified. I, I was terrified to be who I knew that I was truly on on the inside, even though I, I denied it for a long time growing up, knowing that who you are intrinsically defies the core beliefs of your family really sucks it made me feel so distant that i didn't form really any stable connections within the family and no one ever really had the opportunity to know who i was because i never ever was truly myself around any of them um and then it was like that in school too because i used church and faith as a beard i hid behind it until i was outed and it was my masquerade. I don't even know. I mean, I really did not even know if I believed all of what I was claiming that I believed. In retrospect, sometimes I wonder if I didn't do any harm by spreading some of the word that I did as a missionary and stuff. I, that's a whole nother story. But it was an attempt to remove myself from that which separated me from what little family that I tried <clears throat> to have. And I was scared. I was really scared to lose them. They're just trying to figure that out for all of those years and not really understood saying what it meant because I didn't have a safe space to explore what it meant to be a, a, a gay man. And especially in a small Southern town where that was just instant damnation. I mean, any other sin is completely fine, but God forbid you be a homosexual. Oh, that's the worst. When my cousin decided to say that she was a lesbian, it was like oh that's fine it's different because she's a woman i don't know why that was that was the message but it it was and that all all that did was push me further into the fucking closet because yeah. finally i was like oh look someone in my family is coming out maybe this is going to be well received and then it was like oh well this is only okay because it's a woman so so boom then i'm just i'm just pushed pushed further and i feel like my my paternal grandmother always knew she would make comments like you're going to make someone a great housewife one day but oh, no. at the same time you know what i'm saying like oh, no, they at the always same time co- and then condemn me under, like in this in this with the same mouth later by making sure that i hear you know the condemnation that you speak over who you already know that i am anyway
2: well, trust me they always know it is it is it's very obvious um and, and, me, and you and I can relate because both of us are like a part of the alphabet mafia, as you call them. But like, it, they always know. And it's always something that they try to like deny. You know, they have to go through their, like their own process with it. We are already struggling with our identity, especially as teenagers, when you start to really understand yourself just a little bit more and become a little bit more self-aware. But in reality, like the people around us, most times they already know it's not a secret to them, but I think that they have to go through their own process of understanding it first and accepting it. And a lot of them can't do that for some reason. A lot of of people feel like, okay, well, if I accept it and, you know, yada, 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 then I'm accepting sin when in reality, (laughs) it's like, no, you're accepting the person who came out of you. You know what I mean? You're accepting the person that's in your family. They're still the same person. They might, you know, they might, you know, like to have rendezvous with, you know, other men. Like it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's nothing wrong with it. It's just, they have to go through their own kind of journey with it. And if they accept it, okay, great. It's 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 all love. if they don't, then it's, you know, that's on them.
0: Right. But that's only something that you can say in hindsight. But during the experience, when it's you scary. Already know that they're so vehemently against it and you are in a community of 5000 people or less and 90 yeah. percent or more have the same mm-hmm. belief and you don't have the opportunity to reach out to someone for the proper guidance, the, the proper guidance, right? The proper mm-hmm. role models. And you're not seeing, at least when we were growing up, you're not seeing queer folks on TV, at least not nope. painted in a proper light. You're not mm-hmm. having access to any kind of other materials that represent who you are. So finding it out, growing up, just discovering the internet as it was coming alive and as it was growing mm-hmm. as we were. That was the only option we had. And that was a really dark and scary place, especially, you know, once we were, you know, in what fifth or sixth grade and started having the internet in our homes.
2: I mean, it is, it is, it is scary because I remember my own experience just having moments where I felt like, okay, well, when I'm already hit with a double whammy because I'm both black and gay. So that within right. itself, it's kind of like, my identity is like, am I a black man first or am I or am I a gay man first? Which one is it? You know, outwardly, superficially, people are gonna see that I'm a black man walking into a room, but as soon as I open my my mouth, rainbows fly out. So it's kind of like right. that kind of it's kind of like, okay, well, which one am I first? and which one will be accepted when I walk into a room and people with people who don't look like me, or people who I know feel a certain type of way about my quote-unquote lifestyle. So it is very difficult to find yourself within that because especially growing up in a small town, because my the, the town I grew up in is super small and like it's accepting to a degree. There are certain people that could get away with it and the other people where it was like, ew, you're disgusting, yada, yada, yada. I personally had kind of both in my own experience. It was the people who fuck with me. We good. We great. You know who I am. You know my sexuality. You accept me for that. And then the people who just didn't. And it was because of the way that they grew up, the way that what they were taught. So finding myself in a world that was telling me that you're this or you're that was difficult In a sense, because you get to a point where you start questioning yourself, like, okay, well, am I? Like it is it is difficult to always hear certain things about yourself, like constantly hear it over and over again because you start taking that on as reality. And it can be something so far from the truth. But I've always like kind of heard that people have a different version of you in their head. So everybody has a different person. And whoever that person is, they project onto you and you kind of take it on and you kind of go through life thinking, OK, that, well, that's that's just who I am. This person told me I'm selfish. OK, well, I guess I'm selfishly. And this person told me I'm insecure. Well, I guess I'm insecure. How do you get out of that and how do you grow from it? That's the question that I
3: have. What you guys are talking about sounds just me listening to it. It sounds so suffocating. It's like you can't even go out of your house. You can be yourself in your head, in your own space, but the minute you go out anywhere, you can't even be yourself. It's like you got to be some version of yourself that people are willing to accept.
0: Mm-hmm. You feel me? That's exactly what that sounds like. I mean, that's there's amazing. a lot of code switching. You hear me? Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: And that's another thing. It's it's kind of like. You go you walk into a room and you have to read the room before you open it. You them.
0: have to read the room because it's either going to be accepting and fine or not and potentially dangerous. Yeah. Yeah and, and yeah, it's it's exactly. the way you're explaining it is it's almost it's like walking in with a
3: grenade. You got to watch what you say and how you act, bro. That is that's pain. Yeah, that's painful. Like I'm talking from the perspective of ages 10 to 20. Yo. Mm. Yo, that's that's hard. You got kids that are in middle school making fun of you because they they know some things, right? Throwing around all kinds of words because, yo, they, they slang it. And then you get into high school with these same kids and they slanging something worse. Mm-hmm. So you sitting here trying to figure out who are you with all that. Mat- Bro, that's hard. And the hormones. That is incredibly difficult. That Just hearing you guys talk about that, that pains my heart. Because right. that is not, this is nowhere close to what you guys are talking about. So please don't take this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just listen to what I'm saying. When I, I'm 45. When I was in high school in the 90s, it was taboo to interracial date. Right? Mm-hmm. It, but that was just dating. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't really accepted, but people could kind of accept it. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they just stay with me. It wasn't like I was coming out basically saying, hey, yo, I'm gay and then I'm going to go with it. If you remember, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember. I know uh, uh, Aaron was. Back then, Dennis Rodman was the only one that was like, hey, yo, I'm gay. I'm bi. I'm everything. I will marry myself and I will write a book about myself. Like he was the only (laughs) one that I remember that would just go crazy with it and would say, yo, this is me. This is who I am. There wasn't anybody else. If you remember, I'm going to I'm going to talk to my audience here because I. I'm of the age that I am. Gen X. Right. Dennis Rodman was the only one in the NBA that had tattoos, colored hair. He would come to games with Boas on. He would do all this flamboyant stuff. And people thought he was crazy. Now, this is a man making millions of dollars doing his thing and he's making it okay, which I think really made other people feel okay to be that. But then some people stereotype people and say, oh, well, if you're gay, then you must be super over-the-top, flamboyant, colorful hair. That must be you, which that wasn't the truth. So I think what you guys are speaking about in today's terms, to bring it to today's people, is that these young people have... So many examples of people that they can turn to that are gay, that are bi, that are non-binary, all this stuff on TikTok, on Instagram, all these people that they can say, I want to be like that, 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 or that influencers, all of that. Y'all didn't have that. So I want to give our audience the perspective. Y'all did not have that person to be like, oh, he making it okay. All right. But it was like 10 of them that you could choose from. Y- y'all didn't have that, so please explain. How do you, how do you even find out, like, how to be or who to pattern yourself
0: after? Like, what is going through your mind at that point? Well, to kind of piggyback off of what you said, I was in a in, in an interesting place, and not that it's the same, Javon. You mentioned your intersectionality of being a gay man and a black man, and how that was difficult for me. My relationships have always been with black men. So, that on top of being gay was an issue for my family. And in the South, there are times when I go out and I'm with someone and I just feel uncomfortable because the whole time I'm sitting down to eat, I'm being stared at and people are snickering and people are talking. And so, not only did I not have representation of just a gay role model, but I didn't have that um melding of races and ethnicities there wasn't that positive example of what it looked like to not have such strong opinions of another race just be, just based on the color of their skin so there was never anything for me to look at a- and to follow and like i said before you just had to make your fucking way you just you just said well we're just going to try this and see what the fuck happens throw the throw the shit at the wall and see what sticks I mean, you know, you just deal with not having a role model and you get old enough and you sneak out and you're sneaking people in when no one's home and you're sneaking out and using apps. And once those finally became available and Um. you're doing things when no one's looking and you're going to nightclubs when you're not supposed to. And then when you finally have the freedom, you go. Off the fucking wall and become unhinged because you finally have the opportunity to dive into it and explore who the fuck you are.
2: I've experienced that as well, being that most of my boyfriends have been white. I date everybody, but most of my boyfriends have been white. Actually, my, my current boyfriend is, is is a white guy. I've experienced what he's talking about, but being on the other end is a little bit weirder because with an ex of mine, I don't know, I remember being at a restaurant and we're sitting at a table and the whole entire time, you know how you can tell somebody's staring at you? Mm-hmm. Like you can just, you can just tell it. You can feel it. Right. There's this old white lady looking at our table. Like I can literally see her. I can see her. She can see me. We can see each other and she's been staring at us the entire time and I'm just sitting here like lady what are you looking at why is that such a big deal that you see somebody that you see two people who are clearly interested in each other who just so happen to be one is white, one is black, and it's just so taboo for them. So for me being on the other end of that, a lot of times they're not staring at him, they're staring at me questioning, okay, now why is he with this white boy? Or, or the other way around. And within, within that, it's kind of it kind of makes me question myself, like, okay, am I? Is something wrong with me? Is, is something all on my face? What, what are you staring at? I'm trying to understand. This shouldn't be like a taboo thing for people. I feel like they look at me like, oh, I'm just so disappointed in you. So I totally feel what you're saying. Let me tell you, they look they look at you, oh, that's the sugar mama right there.
3: Oh, <laughs> Yeah.
2: That's the sugar so, mama.
3: Y'all, what y'all said, okay, you're talking about interracial couples. I my wife is white. Mm-hmm. And when I was in college and in high school, I, I used to call myself dating the rainbow coalition. I date Hispanics, Asians, white, black, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you whatever. You date I'm everybody. Like, yep. Equal opportunity, you, you, <laughs> <do>,
0: you didn't. <laughs>
3: It just so happens that, you know, my wife is Caucasian and, and it's odd when I say odd. I wasn't dating white girls like, a oh, a black dude dating a white, it's taboo, Like it, it's cool. Mm-hmm. No. You know what actually happened? I'm going right. to give you a story. When I was in, ooh, was it fourth or fifth grade? One of the girls that always made me feel comfortable, I'm just mm-hmm. going to say her name was Melanie. I could just be myself around her. I didn't mm-hmm. have to be some dude wearing J's. I didn't have to have these clothes. I didn't have to have nothing. I could be me. And so she made me feel so comfortable that I was like, oh, and she was white. I was like, oh. Okay. All right. And she had a certain body type and a certain look. So I was attracted to her because she made me feel like I could be me. So then what eventually ended up happening, and I noticed my pattern over the years, is I started dating girls that looked like Melanie because they made me feel comfortable. This does not mean that black girls or Asians or they can't make me feel comfortable. It was ingrained in me that, oh, this girl makes me feel this way. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm attracted to her. That Mm -hmm. became my new attraction. And so when I was married to my wife, uh, well, I'm married to my wife now, 16 years. And I remember we would be at the playground now, you gotta understand, when you have interracial kids, they might either come out really dark or they might come out really light. Well, here I am, Mm -hmm. a brown dude with like a white child. It's an interracial child, but it's a white child. And I'm carrying around this child, I got black folks looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I stole my own, (laughs) stole a child (laughs) and I'm just kissing them, you know? Mm -hmm. But they would look at Michelle, And they would look at me like, what's going on? And the black females would be giving her a hard time. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Come on, man. What what are we doing here? You know, and I always got that. I'm not saying all black women are like that. Understand, Mm -hmm. audience. I'm just saying my experience was that mm. I would be given a hard time. And I'm like, bro, I date everybody, bro. Don't do this to us. She's not stealing me away from y'all. I just mm-hmm. she's just the one that I fell in love with. Why why do we have an issue about what the hell I'm doing? So I totally right. get where you guys are coming from, where you have other people of other races looking at y'all and judging. And you could hear the judges almost like you could read read them. Oh no, you see it. Like it's
2: very apparent. Yeah. You, you, you see it. See it and it does affect how you look at yourself if it, you know in the long run because you you start to see other people and their expressions when you walk into a room with somebody or you or even by yourself you walk into a room by yourself and you start to see other people's reaction towards you and that kind of affects and shapes how you look at yourself for me walking into a room is always the most difficult part because again I'm black, gay, fat. And then on top of that, it is crazy to walk in and sometimes see the faces that happen (laughs) because you notice the shit and you notice, you know what people are thinking. People are very, it's very obvious what people be thinking about you when you walk into a room.
3: I got a question for you, Mr. Aaron, Mr. Uh, Aaron Kendrick. You tell me. How did you form your identity in your world from age 10 to age 25? What's going through young Aaron's mind at that
1: time and how you trying to form your own identity? Age 11, I moved to Virginia after my mother got clean. She was in the church. She found the Lord in Virginia. I don't know if he lived in West Virginia or not, but she found him in Virginia. So we got to Virginia. I'm glad someone
0: found him. I've been wondering where he was at
1: amen you you know I amen I you know so um, at age 11 I moved to Virginia and I was in the church heavy you know my life took a turn and so I began to get these teachings from from the Bible and the lessons and the parables and the stories and the different uh metaphors and analogies from different preachers all over the country and so by idea of myself the idea of myself was forming under that umbrella of religiosity, you know what I mean? And 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 under under the pressure of sin. Everything was sin. Everything was wrong and bad. You know, so here I am going through puberty, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And you know, I'm the oldest teen boy in the church. Like small, small church, small town called Marion, Virginia, you know what I mean? Way in the boot of Virginia where no one knows exists, southwest, southwestern Virginia. And so my identity was forming during puberty in the era of a a whole lot of traditional and what we now know is really backwards warp thinking you know what I mean and and so me going through puberty at that time and being the oldest teenage boy I had about three other three other young guys three four or five other young guys younger than me but near the same age were younger than me and I had a bunch of girls around me as well my age my age range a little bit older and a little bit younger you know but we're all teens and we're all in this area In, in this church we in the choir and we're all going through puberty together, you know what I mean? And so me, I'm, I'm a teenage boy, you know, teenage boys, I'm, I'm a little horn dog, You know, I'm, I'm trying right. to touch, I'm trying to touch, I'm trying to squeeze, I'm trying to grab every single <laughs> right, thing. Trying to get in the drawer. <laughs> trying to get the drawer. <laughs> so hey, we, let's we, just, so, that's what we're
3: doing, right?
2: I'm trying you to tighten off the lights.
1: <laughs> right. Hey, every time on, on the church bus, I'm, I'm trying to rub on a leg. I'm trying to rub on some breasts. I'm trying to do right. anything to get to get my little guy to stand up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I tried my damnedest. But but I now know, looking back in hindsight, that that was just nature running its course. Yeah. But in the moment, during that time, I was told that I was sinning. I was told that I was wrong. I was told that I was bad. Even when I had sex for the first time, me, the girl under uh, under the religious pressure and the teachers that were under, she goes and confesses to the pastor or to somebody that she had sex. And now me and her both are what's called set down out of the choir. So we can't sit so we can't sing in the choir that Sunday when all the other kids, our peers, are up there in the in the choir stand singing. Me and her gotta set out with the rest of the church in the congregation like a scarlet letter. And I was growing up at this time made to feel that, you know, being normal, wanting to have sex, wanting to touch girls, going Mm -hmm. through these phases that I didn't know what it was. We now know it's puberty, but I was made to feel that I was wrong and that I was bad. And I still use the term backslide. I said it the other day on on the podcast that uh, I I used the phrase backslide. You know what I mean? And the question is backslide from where? Where was I at? What was the pressure that was on me at that time and why? but we now know like you all went through that is rooted in warped religious teaching right. patriarchal patriarchal right. teaching you know Absolutely. white white european patriarchal religious teachings has dominated Absolutely. our globe. Our our country's laws are rooted in that and, and it's still smeared all over the country, all over the world to this day. And we still suffer at the hands of it in many forms. But Absolutely. doesn't that and make
2: you want to rebel more? Did y'all have like a rebellious phase because of what you were being taught? Cause I know like yes, my rebellious phase didn't come until adulthood when I was, you know, hoeing. In college, that's when my oh, rebellious right. phase came.
0: Listen, mine was when I was such a sucking the preacher's son's dick in the baptism pool, but oh whatever. my
1: god.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he, that's oh, but but
2: I
3: I the mean, baptism okay. pool he's, he's, that, that is, that
2: is <laughs> blasphemy. He
0: right was in there. the
3: right it place. Was, he was cleansing himself, right? Like, come on, come on. I you was getting
0: baptized up. in somebody's water. I
3: Somebody
2: thought not
1: Oh my god.
2: Look, <laughs> my mine didn't come until I went to college and the apps so i'm just saying
0: right no
1: I, I i don't really go through a rebellious phase i got to a point you know as every young male as every young person does they get to a point in their teenage life where they finally get the guts to say fuck it to mm-hmm. say to their mother to their leadership to their to their teachings mm-hmm. to the other leadership mentors in their life they say fuck it i'm gonna do this and i don't care i'm grown even though i'm 15 16 So I had those those fights and those arguments with my mother, who was just me and her at the time. My brother had gone to the military at that time. Now, I don't even sing in the choir no more. I don't even care Mm -hmm. about singing in the choir anymore. I don't care about the church's opinion or the saint's opinion of me now. And I'm 16. But, you know, I look back at that time. For a long time, I harbored a lot of anger. I was Mm -hmm. really angry. At the church, I was really angry at my leadership at that mm-hmm. time, who was who was over me, and my mother as well. Me, me, me and her still have these debates, you know, because because she's still a, a believer and a follower of the teachings, and she still tells me sometimes how I shame I shamed her. I made her I made her feel ashamed that I was running around the church doing that, and I tell her I say, Mom, I was being natural. It's my nature to do that. Even to this day, I fight off the condemnation that i get from my own mother, you know what i mean? and, and bless her heart, she don't do it to hurt me, but she's still under the teaching and under the belief system.
0: Mm-hmm, right. you know, to kind of to kind of um elaborate on some church hurt. you know, i was essentially i was outed by the church. it was 2010 and you know, i had some salacious emails and mm-hmm. i was i was at a friend's house and you know, a friend of mine who was in the church as well, a really good friend was checking my emails did not log out. His parents found my emails and distributed them to the appropriate people within the church. And I was outed from the church. And they even questioned some of the kids that I was teaching Sunday school to, to find out whether or not I was inappropriate with them because quote unquote, all sexual sin was the same. So they equated me, a homosexual to a pedophile. Pedophile. And that pretty much was how I was outed in Bradford County. And what that started, well, I was like, Well, fuck it, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck your mama, your grandmama, your all y'all motherfuckers. And I said, I'm gonna be myself. And from that point forward, I was always out and open. And mm-hmm. that started this new process. But my rebellion phase really, even though I was I was um I was sexually active, I was experimenting, I was learning who I was in high school really kind of discovering what it meant to be gay at this intersection of faith and sexuality. After being outed, after going to college, getting involved in drag, getting in the club scene, what I noticed was I was surrounded by people who had the same experience and were so broken that they were turning to people, they were turning to physical pleasure, they were turning to, to drugs, they were turning to alcohol. And what I realized was that I was literally going out Weekend after weekend, and parting with these people, and we were all suffering from the same trauma. We were all looking for our self identity. We were all looking to fill this void that had been created by this oppression and this fear of being who we truly are. So, for me, really making it to my 20s was the highlight of my quote unquote whole face, my my rebellion. And I would say the apex of that moment of grasping and being free in who I was. And, and from that point forward, it's really just been learning how to grow within my truth from birth up until that point in 2010, that was just all learning to accept my truth within myself. And then after 2010, it was all learning to live out my truth.
2: I didn't fully accept myself till I was 20. When I was 20 years old, that's when I fully accepted That part of myself, especially, because for a long time, I was like, you know, I am this, but I can't really accept it because I feel like the people around me, especially my family, wasn't that accepting of it. You know what I'm saying? Even though they're they're the most loving people, it was still like, you know, you grow up, you hear the gay jokes and you hear the, you know, the jokes about your weight or you hear this or you hear that. And that it, within itself causes, you know, a lot of questioning, especially, especially if you grew up in the church, like that, that just, Absolutely. you know, I was a church boy because, you know, and at Hall had us in the church every Sunday. I finally like, quote unquote, came out at 20, although everybody knew already it was, it was no secret. So for me, I am at a point now where I'm like almost 29, 29, three weeks, but like, I still don't know who I am as a person. I haven't accepted certain parts
3: of myself. Y'all said uh, where you finally uh, found yourself, accepted yourself. You know what that's code for? You just stop giving a fuck what people thought. You stop, That's giving a right. fuck. you stop giving a fuck what people thought. Basically. You finally accepted yourself and said, I'm, I'm going to release myself of all the shit that people project onto me, and I'm just going to believe my own shit. Because fuck everybody. Because you probably got to a point, and I think this is why it's important for a lot of young people, you have to get to a point where you understand, and this is why I tell kids, my kids, I don't want you to act like an adult. I want you to mature up. Because mm-hmm. adults don't know what the fuck they're doing either. So don't get to this place of adulthood and think you all of a sudden going to have it figured out. We don't have it figured out, right? You have to get to a point in your life where you say, okay, fuck that bitch that want to talk shit. She's just mad because she ain't me. She's projecting her insecurities onto me. So the one person that gives you love, it don't matter what they are. That's why I told y'all, my uncle, it didn't matter that he was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It mattered that he accepted me. And that was something that my grandfather could never understand in his entire life. Because I didn't find myself as a person until I was about 25. And I'm a straight male. I didn't know who the fuck I was. I had no dad, no nothing, no blueprint, no nothing. I'm like, well, shit, people call me angry, man, because I just kind of get angry at shit. This is when I was 18, 19, 20. So I guess I'll just be angry because I'm good at that shit. But you need somebody to be like, hey, yo, you Gucci, just be you. you. This is so important. You can't have negative energy in your bubble. You got to get rid of these motherfuckers. And some of them be good people. They ain't got good fruit.
2: Oh, I've gotten rid of a lot of them, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: man. Sometimes sometimes the people around you, you know what I'm saying, to to no fault of their own, don't even realize they're projecting. Mm. They don't because they haven't taken the time to study self, to to mm. uh, perform some introspection, you know, to look in the mirror and be like, "Yo, who who am I?" And, you know, so 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 when they project negativity and project their uh, perception onto you of you, sometimes they're not being uh, negative purposefully. But and they don't even realize what they're doing. You know, what I mean, people who are in your life who hurt you or helped you sometimes most times don't even know that they helped you or hurt you until you come Absolutely. back and tell them years later or months later or the day later, like, bro, what you did. Yo, that messed me up. Or like, bro, what you said or or, or homegirl or mama or brother or sister, whatever, whoever they may be, what you did to me and what you said to me 10 years ago, I'll never forget that because that had a major effect on me. Bro, let me give y'all something.
3: I got married on December 13th of 2006 and I'm a very untraditional guy. So they Mm -hmm. had this uh, B-96 wild wedding thing in Chicago that they would have on a radio station. Hey, you can call in and, you know what I'm saying, profess your love for the person that you want to marry. And if you win, then we'll give you some tickets and we will marry you like a mass wedding deal. And so I called in a woman. I was like, oh, shit. And they were like, yeah, so it's going to be, it was like 13 couples or whatever. And they married us officially at this place. Well, the wedding was on a Wednesday, Wednesday, December 13th. 2006 and we got my wife got five tickets i got five tickets for a table and then you got free cake free alcohol all that b96 dan uh uh uh, not dancers uh the jocks they came there all that somebody was singing there all paid for i said yo okay i got five people i'm gonna invite my buddy my brother da 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 and i'm gonna invite my my uh grandfather i call him up i said yo granddad yo I'm getting married, yo. He say, what? I say, yeah, dog. I, this contest, Blase Skippy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on Wednesday, December 13th. So can you come down? This is like long before, you know, uh, three weeks. Say, come come on down, man. You know, he's say, well, why is it on a Wednesday? I said, what, what does that matter, dog? You're retired. Come on. He gave me every excuse in the book of why he couldn't come.
0: Mm-hmm. He never
3: showed up. He didn't show up. This is my wedding. This is mm-hmm. not like I'm like, hey, yo, I'm going to the Bears game. Come on. This is my wedding. I never forgot that. That'll be 17 years ago this December. I never forgot that. That's the one thing I wanted him for, and he wasn't there.
0: I think that that's that you sharing that story is really, really critical, and making the point that mm-hmm. as we grow and find ourselves, when we go through these moments and in, in our relationships with other people, that that hurt us. Those are the moments that shape and change. Who we are becoming, and the journey of finding ourselves is really never ending. You know, because you were talking about being 28 at the time. I mean, I'm 32, and hell, my 30s came around, and I decided to rewrite who the fuck I was from the very beginning. So, you know, I think all of our stories we have a lot of common factors, but I think what we're what we are putting together here is that it's just an evolving process. And over time, you learn how to maneuver the process.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, man. The there, there, there's no manual for this. No. There's no handbook for development or growth. I mean, there's all kinds of theories, Freud theories, Sigmund Freud theories of development, psychosexual theories and and the five stages of development and childhood and everything. But, you know, those are just theories. and right. and, and, and and they're not blanket applications for every human being. That's just his theory or some psychologist's observations. But it doesn't apply uniformly to everybody. You know what I mean? And, and and people, people, children definitely. And that age group, that puberty age, is critically important, man. And and people are having a teenagers, even young adults and old adults are having a hard time during that phase figuring this thing out. You know what I mean? And then you make so many mistakes and then society won't let you live some of them down. And then you end up being uh, what Erica Badu songs, the the bag lady or bag man. You carrying it around with you and you hurting your back.
0: Right.
3: Well, let's call it what it is. You said figuring it out. Let's just crystallize it for the audience. Figuring it out means you feel comfortable in your own skin being you. And you can start from that point doing what the fuck you want to do. Um, Somebody told me this a while ago. A good teacher, a good teacher won't uh tell you what to look for they'll ask you what do you see in other words if i say hey yo auntie go outside and tell me look in the sky and tell me what you see you won't tell me what you see stars planes the moon, you're going to name everything that is part of a tree, I don't know, or Aurora, Borealis, whatever. But if I told you, hey, you go outside and look up and tell me how many planes do you see, now I've narrowed your vision. Now all you're looking for is, is, is the low lights on planes. You're not looking for any stars. You can't see them. You can't see the moon. You can't see anything else other than you looking for planes. I've literally narrowed your vision. So that's what we have. We have people narrowing the vision of kids to the point where an Aaron can't feel okay being himself a horny young teenager like all other teenagers. We got a point where a young Jovan is trying to find himself and he can't feel comfortable being himself because somebody said, yo, that's not appropriate. Or auntie, that's not appropriate. And that's what we have to get out of. We got to find the person that allows these young kids to
0: be themselves and so Yo, you are and me? and when you carry this stuff into adulthood real healing for me came like you said earlier when i was finally like you know what i'm putting myself first i'm putting me first and from that point forward true healing started to happen because then i finally let down my walls within myself and allowed myself to process all of this bullshit and really started to live my life for what made me happy, what gave me peace and walking in my truth. And I think that is what we all strive for. Yeah.
2: Real healing for me didn't start until I went to therapy. When I started going to therapy and I was forced to listen to myself, listen to what I had been through, listen to all the stories All the, you know, he said, she said, all of that. And for my therapist to be like, do you hear yourself trying to run from it? Because I feared it. It was something that I was like, this is a big old monster that I've created that is staring at me in the face. And because of that, I'm going to run and hide. Now, am I perfect now? Hell no that that I I don't think I'll ever be perfect. I don't think anybody will ever be perfect. But am I a better version of myself than what I was two, three years ago? Yeah. You were never going to be the same version of yourself year to year. You know, in five years, I'll be a completely different person. A whole new bitch. (laughs) I have to become a a brand new bitch. That's it. Absolutely.
0: You know, I, I think just to kind of tie all of our stories together and just to kind of round this off, you know, those those years when we are discovering ourselves where one thing that we kind of all talked about very loosely was discovering sexuality. You know, Fred, you talked about your attraction and how that was very interesting for you as people received you whenever you introduced, you know, your partner and your partner was white. And that was a problem. Aaron, you know, in, in your exploration and your coming of age and your your natural course of curiosity and development and being told that it's wrong and not being met with the the right kind of conversation about how to explore it in a healthy way and how to be natural and and have the right guidance and me and you Javon with our experience feeling oppressed and wrong and reprimanded and judged without someone really even knowing who we are, so with. All of that being said, you guys, I really th- am thankful for your stories. I'm thankful for your input. If we can, if we can be that light, I think that we've been quite successful. Fred, I want you to take us home tonight.
3: Um, if you are a young person listening to this episode and you're between the ages, you're a teenager or you're younger than 25, I want you to understand that there is nothing wrong with you. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You are a human. You are here for a purpose and a reason. I need you to really think inwardly about who you are and accepting who you are 100%. People are going to project their insecurities. They're going to project what they think you should be and how you should act and do. And the quicker you understand that none of that shit matters, the only thing that matters is what you think about yourself that will help you get to a quicker understanding of who you are. Nobody has it figured out, y'all. No such thing as figuring it out. It is, can you come to your own truth in who you are? So if you are a teenager or you are somebody that's younger than 25, or if you are somebody that's older than 25 and you're still trying to find yourself and you don't feel comfortable, you got four people here that will cheer you on every single goddamn day. So I want you to understand one thing. Stop giving a fuck about what other people think and live your truth every single day. Period. Much love to our audience.
2: Thank you for opening your space to Safe Spaces and Faces.
3: We hope that you, too, get involved in the conversation. Remember to like, follow, and share our social media.
1: Tell us your story. Share your experience. And together, we can make a difference.
0: Until next time, be the change you want to see.